This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to, shall we say, go back to basics, marketing tools, all of those things that we either don't use, don't know how to use, don't measure, hello, or you know, are just totally intimidated by. And so that's why I'm so thrilled today to have my guest because he is an expert in so many of the great marketing tools that we really need to be using for our businesses. So please join me in welcoming Will Dean to our program today. Welcome, Will. Hey, Deb. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this is something where I think we, as in us, us marketing people, take um, for granted and and so we don't even think about it. We don't always upgrade things. We you know we get what works and we're just going to stick with that or we're the opposite. The oh, this is the flavor of the day and so we're going to try that and we jump from place to place to place to place. And same thing with, you know, the 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 business owners who are trying to use these tools. They think, well, gee, I, I should be on social media, but ugh, I don't want to see any more political posts and cat videos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or they're thinking, it wants money. Why does it want money? And, you know, and, and they hear things like ROI and SEO, and they think, I just want to sell my widget. Really? I just got the greatest thing in the world. I just want to sell it. But the nice thing is there are ways that you can use the, the appropriate marketing tools to really help benefit your business. Because after all, we still have to make money, right? Yep. Well, before we really jump in and start talking about a lot of these specifics, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Will Dean is a successful entrepreneur as a digital marketing and e-commerce expert. He has built and scaled several multi-million dollar businesses specializing with results-based marketing. He has extensive experience and proven success both in building and maintaining startup businesses. His passion shines through for his customers and his work, and he really understands the value of a team, not just his own internal team, but also his ability to collaborate with other partners as well. So again, Dean, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, first, you know, let's really start. I, I always like asking this question. How did you get started in this? You know, what made you decide, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I can best help people. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm I'm glad you asked that. Um, You know, the short answer is I wanted to be in control of my own destiny. And when you are in the marketing world, you get to dictate how you get customers and how Mm -hmm. you and so that's, that's the short answer. But how I fell into it was uh, I've always been an entrepreneur my entire life, all the way back to high school and uh, had a lot of successes, a lot of failures, um, learned a lot of lessons on the way. But, you know, in 2011, I started a business uh, that was in the e-commerce space. Okay. And through that business uh, to about 16 employees, uh, we sold it off in 2014 and the way we were able to scale that business. Now, mind you, I didn't really know too much about you know paid traffic or you know e-commerce or any of that stuff mm-hmm. before then. And um, 
we had a lot of iterations in that business where I really had to focus and decide, do I want to hire somebody for this or do I want to do the best that I can? Because when you're owning something, you're going to be doing it to the best mm-hmm. of your ability. Right. And, um, I basically decided to teach myself everything I could about whether it was AdWords or you know, Bing or SEO or Facebook so that I could master uh, my domain and master our kind of customer acquisition channels. And so mm-hmm. what ended up happening was after we um, sold the business, uh, I was getting a lot of colleagues asking, hey, can you help us sell our product online? Hey, can you help us do this? And while I was looking for another company to grow or build, uh, I ended up taking on a lot of clients mm-hmm. and realizing, wow, this is like a, a skill set that's number one, really high in demand. And number two, you know, at the risk of sounding immodest, really good at. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided, you know what, let me build a team. Uh, let me build a really caring, uh, awesome team that's analytical and that can understand consumer behavior. And uh, that's kind of how we turned it into an agency that, that helps other businesses grow. Right. You know, and I started in an agency. I love agency work. One of the cool things about it is every 10 minutes, it seems to change. But, you know, the small business owner always thinks, well, I can't, I can't pay somebody to do that. So I'm going to just try and learn it all myself. And for some people that works, you know, they're, they're great at it. They luck into it, you know, whatever it is. But I think agencies still have a very valuable place, even for, you know, somebody who's, who's a small business owner. You know, we're used to thinking about an agency working with the giant companies of the world where they're paying, you know, the $30,000 a month retainers. And wouldn't that be great? I'd love that. That would be <laughs> fabulous if I, you know, just, just a couple of those, I could, I could handle that. But what ends up happening more often than not is that as an agency, we go in and we help the entrepreneur, the small business owner. And you know, that's, that's what I absolutely love doing is being able to go in and help them figure that out and go on from there. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny, you know, I mentioned the fact that sometimes small business owners don't want to hire an agency, but we would hire an attorney, we would hire a CPA, all these other things, that, the specialties that we don't have knowledge in. You know, heck, I hire somebody to do my own marketing. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it's always interesting when I'm speaking with somebody who owns an agency to get their thoughts on, you know, how it is that they, you know, do they, you know, eat, I, I don't know, maybe you only work with the $30,000 a year guys or 30000 a month guys, but, you know, I, why should a small business owner work with uh, an agency like you? Sure. And, and that's great. And you, you hit everything right on the head, right? Like we always are using different resources because it's, it's cost effective that way. Mm-hmm. Not hire internally. Um, you know, to answer your question, why should a business owner work with a company like ours or another company? First, I would say as, as a business owner and a previous business owner, try to go through uh, a personal referral first, mm-hmm. right? Right. And there's credibility. And I always say this, and we get a lot of our clients this way, is that we actually care and we actually execute. Because we do, do those things, we get amazing results for our clients. But mm-hmm. I always tell people, if you don't know somebody, you're just going online to find a resource, do your research, thoroughly vet them, because you don't know, you might not understand what they're doing. And being able, being that 
they've been thoroughly vetted by you or by somebody else is really, really important for that process. But as a business owner, it's important to hire somebody that, you know, a local business, hire like a marketing firm or something like that. If you're trying to get exposure, if you don't really know how you're acquiring customers at the moment, or you can't actually scale that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are things you really need to take a, a minute, sit back, identify and ask yourself, how much am I willing to pay? Right. And actually identifying the KPIs that could help your business grow. A lot of people look for quick results or quick answers. And Mm -hmm. while they could be there, as a business owner, you need to know what you're looking for when you go into the relationship so that you can uh, clearly identify it and then get that out of it. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned one of the keywords, and that's do your research. You know, there are many firms out there that will sell things to you that you might not need. Um, you know, and, and it doesn't mean they're, they're disreputable. You know, I want to be very clear on that. Sometimes it's just there's a misunderstanding. But there's also the firms out there who will sell you the things that, you know, and, and they know that they're not going to, you know, that's, that's not the best thing. But they're just going to, you know, they're going to sell it. Uh, you know, one of the big things was uh, the whole SEO, we can get you on the first page of Google. Okay, well, that's not always, you know, yes, you know, we do want to come up on the first page of Google if somebody's looking for us. But that's not the be all end all. And it's not worth the one, two, three thousand dollars a month that a lot of those firms charge. Same thing with social media. You know, I, I coordinate social media for numerous clients and it always never fails to astound me when somebody talks about the fact that, you know, well, hey, they had hired this company and they were doing two posts a week for them and it was a thousand dollars. I'm thinking, okay. Um, you know, or or they didn't understand. You know, I would say, well, is your market on Facebook? And they would say, well, I don't think so. Well, then why are you posting there? Um, you know, and, and so uh, just like you would do research to make sure that your CPA knows tax laws, you know, all these various things, you need to research a marketing firm to make sure that they know what they're doing. And that might mean, you know, as you said, you know, obviously friends first, friends and, and business associates, but, you know, look at, say, their LinkedIn recommendations, um, you know, check their website for former clients and contact those people. You know, it, just because they put a testimonial there, hello, they're not going to put a testimonial that's bad. <laughs> so contact those people. What was it like to work with them? All these various things. For sure. And you're absolutely right. I mean, there's people and agencies out there that are just saying they're doing services or saying they're doing something when you have no idea if it actually works or is tangible for that business owner. And that's why I, I we, ha- we have all the services. One of the things we don't really push is SEO because I care about results right away. Or at right. least like mm-hmm. for me as an owner, just me as a normal guy, like I care about providing value. It's mm-hmm. significant value. And, and I think that long-term relationships are built on value on both ends. Mm-hmm. And, hard work. And so if I'm getting into a relationship, somebody might tell me, Hey, we need more social media presence. We need more postings. And I'll, I'll actually say like, okay, well, why do you think that? Yeah, why? Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of companies will just say that, but okay, great. We can do that for you. And I'll say, well, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. Oh, more revenue. Okay. Well, that's not what you need. No. You know, if, you have, <laughs> if you have money and you already have figured out what channels are getting you your customers or are doing the right things for the right goals, then you can invest in things that are not directly tangible, right? Like I love social media. I love content creation. I think those are very, very valuable and important things for businesses. But mm-hmm. if you need to grow, 
and you're taking a risk right now working with a marketing firm, let's focus on those immediate goals so that we can have more budget to the bottom line, help you grow, and that way we can look at all those other little things. Right. And to be honest, when all those other little things are working well, that's what will impact your SEO. Exactly. You know, that's, and, and that's what so many people don't understand is you know, if you have great content, if you're blogging, if your website is optimized, all these various things, then SEO will increase or improve or do whatever it is that you're needing to do. It's not just where are my keywords, you know, and, and all of those various things. 100%. 100%. Well, let's talk about something, you know, we, let's really get down to the, the meat and potatoes of, of all of this. And I love talking marketing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that is wide reaching, wide ranging. You know, there's so many different things, which is part of why an entrepreneur or a small business owner, their little eyes cross, you know, they're like, oh my God, I can't do all of this. And so it's important. I love the fact that you mentioned that, you know, in your bio that you become part of the team. For them, and maybe it's a team of you and and that business owner, or you know, a big marketing department, whatever it is, because you do have to really be part of them, and yeah. you know, and, and that's what's so critical about all of this is understanding what they need, whether you're a consultant or an employee. But you know, it's it's complicated because the the, the small business owner, the entrepreneur, doesn't always understand all these. So let's let's do just some kind of basics. And I mentioned at the very start that we might be doing something, but we don't really know what we're doing or why. And so there's this fabulous term called results-based marketing. <laughs> so it, describe to us really what that means because it sounds pretty, but what the heck does it really mean? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, results-based marketing to me uh, is somebody that's going into a relationship with a tangible goal in mind. Okay. Uh, there are you know companies out there that you could consider affiliates that are just working on a performance basis. What I like to do is identify a real tangible goal so that we have a target to hit and mm -hmm. that we can show performance-based results. Right. right. A lot of companies that uh, I've been involved with or worked with or seen they don't have tangible goals. They hire a marketing firm to help them grow. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing there that's an indicator of whether that firm is doing well or not. And mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the most important things that a lot of people don't uh, understand. It's either they've identified something that's not valuable to the bottom line or they're not identifying anything at all. And so that's what we do the first thing. And that's how we know we're performing. And that's how when we are on our own time in our own office room, talking about our client, talking about what we can do to improve, talking about what we should change, all of those questions and all of that hard work is built on the building block of trying to get X result. Right. So if, if you're able to identify that clearly, then you're able to actually go into it and create a strategy, iterate from that strategy, work back and forth to figure out, you know, how to get that best result versus just kind of throwing something on the wall where you don't know exactly what the client goal is. You know, you want sales, but you're not sure what's an indicator on their end of a good performance or process. Uh, and so that's, that's what it means to me because I don't see many agencies or even marketing individuals going about it like that. They're just mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can do everything. It's like, let's, let's, let's not do everything yet. Let's right. focus on what's going to help you grow the fastest and start there and then scale it up. And that, and that is, that's how we look at it. And from, you know, I wanted to touch on, you know, what you said, like I, I pretend like I'm the owner of that business. When okay. I, I, I look at everything. I look at cost of goods. I look at overhead. I look at, you know, what's the cost per acquisition? 
I look at everything that sometimes even business owners don't acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And um, those things make help us make the decision of what channels we're going to advertise on mm-hmm. and why and what type of email marketing strategy we'll implement, what type of drip campaign, will we implement a webinar. Like all of these things matter. And the only way to actually get a true, true marketing perspective or goal-oriented marketing plan is to look at all of the variables. And as right. a business owner, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and folks, what that means, it's a number. You have to start putting numbers to things. Um, I had a guest on last week where we were talking about the fact that you, know, you, you will talk with somebody and they will say, I want to earn more. And then they smile. <laughs> well, is more $5? Is more 5000 Is more a million? Uh, you know, and, and until you have those numbers, you know, is it 10 new clients? Is it 20? You know, how many people do you have to talk to in a week that might turn into a client? All these various things. Because until you have those numbers and understand what those are and, and go through a process like Will is saying, you know, what does it cost you to get that client? You know, all those various things. Then you can't judge you know, okay, well, I made 5000 more this month than last month, but it cost me $10,000 to get those people. Well, hmm, that might not be the right thing to do. So, you know, you have to have those numbers in there to really understand if you've been successful, what you need to change, you know, what, what is, is going on. You know, and, of course, the problem comes in that when we're kind of nebulous with, I just went more, and then we don't meet more <laughs> than is, oh, well, that was bad. You know, I shouldn't be doing social media because I didn't see X, Y, or Z. Well, no, it was, you know, you didn't say in there, you didn't have your specifics. So the more specific you are with any of it, the better results you will get. 100%. 100%. So along those lines, how do we generate real and measurable results using, you know, the, the various marketing strategies to really generate positive return on income? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it depends on, first off, it depends on what type of business you're in, right? Okay. There's, there's businesses that are e-commerce business, there's services business, there's local business. So there's a lot of those businesses. And if, if we identify, um, you know, what a true metric is, you know, mm-hmm. what one customer equals for you, mm-hmm. what's the lifetime value of that customer? Then we start looking at what channels the customer is living on, right? Um, one of the things that I like to do at the very beginning of the relationship is see if that business has any low hanging fruit to really start the process off. Okay. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is like, if you're a a business, you might have an email list or Mm -hmm. you might have a contact list. Most businesses don't realize this, but the majority of your revenue typically comes from your current customer list. Right. Not going out and acquiring new customers, but the majority of businesses focus on trying to get new customers. Mm -hmm. And so one of the strategies that I implement or that my team implements uh, that I implore businesses to do is say, hey, before you go just spending tons of money, if you went through your old customer list, do you think you could make some sales really quickly? And typically the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. But everybody's so stuck on on finding new customers that it, it, it creates this spend money to make money kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I always tell people, let's first look at what you currently have and how we can optimize that. And then once we've kind of put that in motion and, you know, we've already paid for ourselves, you're already making more money. Let's look at all the other channels that we can focus on to help get new clients. And 
Typically, I would say the number one channel that we're using right now uh, is Facebook. Okay. Facebook is where all the consumers are living, all the consumers are interacting, Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we kind of get our process down there, we'll start looking at other channels like Google, AdWords, Bing, and other things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one of the things I love that you mentioned, you're looking at your current customers or your former customers. And I've fallen into this trap where I don't always tell them everything that we can do. You know, we went in and did X for them, and that was great. But then we find out, well, hey, they hired somebody else to do this because they didn't realize that we did that. Um, I had that happen with a longtime client, did their public relations for them for many, many years. And then all of a sudden they said, well, hey, we're hiring, you know, XYZ to be doing this for us. And I was crushed. I mean, I was just, it was like, oh, but I can do that. And, you know, after I became uncrushed, then I was annoyed. And, you know, and so I went back to them and I said, maybe you didn't, you, you didn't know that our, we have the capability to do that, you know, that you, that you now just outsource. And we already have a great track record with your organization because we've worked with you for so long. You know, and, and how many times does that happen, right? Where they just didn't know, hey, that's what we did. And that's our own fault. You know, we're, we're marketing people and we're not letting people know what we do. But that happens to any business. You know, they, they buy, you know, this widget from them and they don't realize that they also sell this other product because we got them, as that business owner, we got them focused on buying that one thing and we forget to say, oh, and by the way, we also do this, this, and this. It's kind of the, but wait, there's more type of commercial. <laughs> exactly. And I think that really goes back to relationship building. Right. Uh, a lot of people think that the sale ends once you get the customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that we've really started to work on over the past couple of months is that, you know, you can never control traffic, cost per clicks and stuff like that. People get so inundated, especially people that don't understand digital marketing. They're like, oh, well... I need to buy traffic here or, or buy ads here. It's like, look, th- that's always going to change. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to stay constant. But when you get a customer, you have the opportunity to build a real long-lasting relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And whether that's through the phone, meeting in person, or even an email drip campaign that goes out once a month or once a week, you have the opportunity to connect with them more often. And through those interactions, you learn more about them and more about their needs. Mm-hmm. And when you actually learn about those needs, then you can fill those gaps. And so going back to being able to um, go to your customers first and see, you know, get more sales from them, like you said, you don't know all of their needs. And if you're able to communicate with them and build a deeper relationship, eventually you will be able to service your previous customers and fill way more needs than you know you currently know that they need. Right. You know, and to be honest, that is sometimes why Facebook is so good, especially if you connect with them on that personal level, you know, and, and so you're connecting with the personal pages. You know, they might post, hey, we're doing this and that, you know, and, and you like, go, oh, hey, you know, I, there's an opportunity. Now, you know, that said, that's a very tricky, delicate relationship. Um, you know, if you're posting on your personal page, be aware that your clients, you know, if you're friends with them, they're going to see that. So you don't want to post that, you know, you got drunk over the weekend or, sure. you know, all these, these various things that might not be a positive. So, you know, hello, just be an adult on there. Yep, totally. Absolutely. You're totally right. 
You know, and, and that's where it's nice that there are multiple social media sites. You know, you might keep Instagram, say, as, as your, your fun site or whatever it is, you know, and, and, and it, it, I always love it when people come up and say, you know, what if they'll ask me, you know, well, my boss, my client, my whoever wants to be a friend with me on Facebook. What do I do? I said, well, you know, you have to look at why you're using that platform. You know, if, if you are truly using it for things that, that you don't want them to see, then don't accept their friend request and just tell them, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but I do keep my, my Facebook just for my personal friends, you know, my, my friends and family. Now they might think they're a personal friend, which that could cause a, a different, you know, different situation, but you know, it, it's okay. They might not want you seeing their dirty laundry either. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, it's it's good to keep separate channels for separate things, mm-hmm. and until you know, I, I like I said, is I, I think Facebook, you know, there is a play uh, a time and place to be friends with people on Facebook, but not until you really know them on a personal level, mm-hmm. right? If you get to know them as a business owner on a personal level, that's good. But I mm-hmm. still think Facebook and some of these other channels, you you save that for your friends that you don't care to see all about your personal. Right. Um, you know, and there's, there's some branding opportunities in there as well, but you're right. You just kind of want to keep it separate unless you're really trying to get out there and and you don't worry about who sees what. Mm -hmm. Great. You know, and and what it comes back to though, is what we mentioned a little bit ago, and that's being part of that team. Um, You know, you, you attend marketing meetings with them. If you're the marketing person, you know, whatever it is, you're there in that company. And so for the, the companies that we work with, you know, and then maybe, you know, obviously our clients are around the world, at least, you know, around the United States. So it might mean Zoom, it might mean Skype, but it's, it's about doing that little extra, you know, and, and always saying, hey, what else, what else can I help you with? Um, you know, and even if they give you, a, you know, say, hey, we want this, if it's not something you can do, then, you know, be, be the good guy and, and refer them to somebody else. But, you know, it is about you know, doing more than just, hey, you know, you, you hired me to do Google advertising. I'm not going to do anything else for you. No. You know, unless that really is all you want to do for them, you need to truly be part of that team. And if you're hiring someone, you need to know that they need to be part of that team. And if they, they say no, well, then hmm, maybe you don't want to be working with them. 100%. I mean, that's actually how we built our business. We, we, we came into it because we're the, the digital experts, not because we're just like, hey, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Right. You know, I'm looking at every opportunity for our clients that we can help them grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a lot of services, but clients don't necessarily know what's right for them. Right. You know, so so having to look at everything for them, you're coming into it as an expert, just Mm -hmm. like your example, as an accountant or a lawyer, you wouldn't want your lawyer to just come in and say, you know, this is my specialty. And if I see something else, not my problem. Right. It's like, it's like they're there for their expertise. Even if they have some sort of specialty, mm-hmm. they know the entire ecosystem of what they do. And that's mm-hmm. why they're part of the team. Right. So that's what we do for our clients. We're making sure that every loose end is tied, even if it's not something that we're complete experts on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we will you know, speak up and raise our hand anytime we know it's not in our wheelhouse because that's how we're going to all execute better. Right. Now, one of the things that, you know, for anybody, we all are thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much out there. You know, I, I always love it when somebody comes up to me and they say, now I know that I should be on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and instant chap snap, you know, and pretty soon their little eyes go and, you know, their, their brain shorts out. And, and then, of course, not only do we have multiple platforms, 
we have new things. We have changing things. And it gets overwhelming. I mean, you know, and, and, and I do tell people, pick something and stay with it and, you know, all those various things. But what do you see that are new, that are coming down the, the pike that, you know, maybe it's not something we're going to consider now, but maybe in the future, you know, what, what are some of the new technologies and, and new things that, that are coming that you see? Well, it's actually interesting you say that. Um, I see it's not more, let me rephrase this. It's not about new technologies. It's okay. about new psychology. So mm. what I'm seeing in the ecosystem is that YouTube has been around for a very long time, mm-hmm. but YouTube is actually now just becoming very viable for businesses as more business interactions are becoming social, mm-hmm. right? So like everybody's so like this channel, this channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. No, it's not exactly like the channels and the technology. It's how you're utilizing those channels and what t- and how you're connecting with your customer base or your audience. Mm-hmm. So, so the tech isn't necessarily influencing things. It's what top businesses are doing now to help connect with those people that are going to use their services. And so mm-hmm. it was a very big platform and still is, you know, for, for people, they're paying a million dollars for a Super Bowl ad X, Y, or Z. But now companies are realizing that influencers, right? There's, there's influencers that might not be famous, by, mm-hmm. by, but they have a following of a couple hundred thousand people that uh, video, whether it, it doesn't have to be a, a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar production to create a video. It could be real personal and raw. It could be your phone. Exactly. And those things now are connecting with consumers more than mm-hmm. ever. So from a, from a business perspective, whether you're a local business, you know, corporate or you sell a, a product, those things matter a lot more because people are looking under the hood and saying, is this real? Mm-hmm. And, and being able to say, yeah, we're real. You know, we're credible. We're somebody. You can talk to us. We're a human. Mm-hmm. That's adding a lot of value to um, businesses' marketing approach. And I think those are the things that, if you're a business owner, you should look at that. How to connect with people on a personal level versus the technology that goes behind it to connect. That right. Well, and I think we actually expect that, say, the, the video, you know, we're watching something on YouTube, that it's not slick and polished and extremely expensive, especially if we know we're dealing with a small business owner. Because, you know, I don't want them spending their money on the, the fancy stuff. So maybe it means that the camera jiggles a little bit or they didn't quite edit it right or, you know, all these various things. In, in many ways, I'm like, oh, wow. They, I, you, we can relate with them better. You know, they're, they're not perfect. Do we still like the Budweiser commercials, you know, with the Clydesdales? Sure, we're always, but, you know, I also like seeing, you know, going to, say, a, a restaurant's YouTube channel and seeing the chef preparing whatever the meal of the day is. Yes, absolutely. That, I mean, it's so true. It's just real experiences touch people in a, in a much deeper way. Mm-hmm. And, and even if the phone jiggles, sometimes that helps a business. It's like, wow, that's, that's the same. That's a good guy. I know that guy. It's right. just like, I've had that problem before. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many people that I don't know personally, but I feel like I'm friends with just because of the way they're communicating through mm-hmm. their Instagram channels and all these other things. And you're like, I get that. I trust him. I like him. Right. And those trust factors, uh, those, those create that atmosphere to be somebody's customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, now let's let's be truthful here, though. There is that the level that you still have to maintain. You know, audio is king. You know, I can forgive a jiggly video, but if I can't hear them, no, I'm done. Um, you know, or if it looks too slapstick, too unpolished, 
all these various things, then we're not going to watch it. So you do, there is a level that you have to maintain, but you know, that's, look at it yourself. You know, if you look at your video and you go, oh, okay, that, that looks okay. Now, of course, we're our own worst critics, but Mm -hmm. you know, have somebody else look at it. If they're not, if they don't pick it apart, then it's, it's probably okay. You know, and, and so it is one of those things where, you know, get it to that right level and then go from there. And we all have to start out somewhere. So, don't shoot for it being perfect. I think that's probably one of the hardest things that that business owners get past is, well, I can't post this. I can't, you know, whether it's a Facebook post or a YouTube or whatever, because it's not perfect. (laughs) No, get over that folks. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's one of the biggest struggles. A lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, they they actually don't put themselves out there because they think they have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, it stops a lot of people. And so you're right. There is a certain level. Mm-hmm. That you have to be at. You don't. You don't want a, a jiggly phone that's all over the place that makes people dizzy. You want to make sure people can hear you for sure. Right. Good um, lighting, all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And right. so, um, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Let's talk about something that you mentioned, and and I see it as one of the services that you provide on your website. As I gesture in the air at your website, <laughs> and that's influencer marketing. And, and in particular, that does kind of tie in some with YouTube. You know, I'm a big Dancing with the Stars fan. That's the, actually the only reality show that I watch. But several seasons ago, they had one of the performers was somebody I'd never heard about. Now, you know, granted, I'm obviously not her target market, target audience, target customer, whatever the heck you want to call me. But this young woman had thousands of people who followed her on YouTube. And I believe she started by doing something like makeup tips, you know, and, and something like that. And so we're getting these influencers from a variety of places. And one of the things that I'm now seeing a trend changing in maybe would be the thing is that we're not using the celebrities as much as just kind of the one of us people. You know, the, the the girl showing people how to do makeup as opposed to Kim Kardashian showing you how to, to do that. What do you think, you know, how do you use influencer marketing? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think that it's it's a huge opportunity right now. I think that it's a, it's a big wave of the future. I think there's a paradigm shift of people that we used to consider famous versus what are, you know, who's actually famous or who, who holds the influence now. Mm-hmm. Um, we use influencer marketing to help brands become more established. I think that, you know, one of the, one of the hardest things for a new brand or a company to do is tell people that they're real, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of snake oil out there. And if you just enter the market and you have an amazing product or service, sometimes it's really hard to actually get in front of people and get their trust. Right. And, and what, what, because they can't use a celebrity because that just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. uh, Finding people in their niche that are, are, are validations of their business who promote that is a really good, affordable way to help solidify yourself as a brand in an mm-hmm. ego. Um, and, and again, you have, you have to make sure you have a good product. And right. as an influencer, you know, there's very few influencers that I know of that will you take on a product that doesn't have actual credibility. And right. so because it's um, their reputation that's on the line. Exactly. Exactly. And being able to use that influencer in your marketing campaigns or to get in front of people uh, it adds significant value to help you get off the ground, you know, to where you're probably currently at. Mm-hmm. Well, and it can be something as simple as, say, your your chamber of commerce president, you know, which now granted they're probably not going to to you know uh, talk about your your uh, program because then everybody else is going to want to do that too. But you know, we we see it all the time with say your local uh, 
television uh, reporters where they will pitch a product, um, you know, and, and now I, obviously the influencer is paid. I mean, that's, you know, almost always they're being paid or compensated in some way. Maybe they get a free product. Um, you know, I, I love the Matthew McConaughey uh, Lincoln. I'm like, really? He doesn't drive a Lincoln. I'm sorry. And he probably doesn't drive himself. You no. know, and so that's the other thing with influencer marketing is it's got to be believable. And that I think is probably why I look at a lot of the celebrity things and think, I'm sorry, she's not buying the product off the shelf to color her hair. <laughs> you know? yep. But if it's, you know, the, the person that I know that's in my community, then that's, that's very different. Yeah, it's, it's more grassroots, right? Like, you want to see people that are more like yourself mm-hmm. engaging in products that you probably would use. Right. And um, the Matthew McConaughey and, and all the celebrities, like, I think those are great for larger branding tactics, but mm-hmm. I also think they're not as valuable as they used to be. Right. You know, they used to be pretty valuable. You saw somebody that, was a staple in, um, you know, the entertainment world mm-hmm. doing something. He thought all of a sudden, this is, this is it. This is mm-hmm. how I got to be cool. But uh, now because of the shift and because of, I guess you could call it micro niches in how people are looking at content and buying products, uh, influencers are starting to be really, really powerful. And, and yeah, sure, they, they do need to be compensated some way. And there's, there's many creative ways mm-hmm. to work with influencers. Um, but it, it's really valuable to, to test those waters because it, it is a shortcut to getting your product out there and, mm-hmm. and really growing your brand. Right. And obviously there's a lot of ways they can do it. Maybe they're posting about you on social media, you know, or they're in an ad or you've got them on your YouTube channel, whatever it is. There's a variety of ways that you can utilize their talents. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, you know, you can get them in front of a camera, you can have them own your product, have them be your spokesperson for your company. There's so many different ways, even just a, a photo shoot or just a picture. Uh, it, it helps add some validation mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the business owner just self-promoting because right. obviously the business owner is going to self-promote. So mm-hmm. people are a little weary of that. So when they see other people adding value, it, it helps. And then as a business owner, you have to take that little, you know, string and go and get real user testimonials, real user videos. That's where you're able to take that jumping point uh, mm-hmm. and use an influencer to help start that path. Right. I don't know why this popped into my mind, but this was an example of kind of the opposite of one of those. Many years ago, when I still lived in, in Colorado, they built the new facility for the, the hockey team and the professional basketball team. So they were trying to get, um, you know, which all of those facilities do, your big corporate sponsor. And they'd been negotiating with Pepsi. And Pepsi was kind of, maybe kind of, sort of not. And so the mayor of Denver held a press conference. And he was talking about this. And he was drinking out of a can of Coca-Cola. And that deal with Pepsi was signed like the next day. I mean, it was the funniest thing in the world. And you know, we see that too, right? Where it's like, well, wait a minute, he's using that, so I can't use that one. Or you know, he's, he's drinking that or driving that car or whatever it is. You never know how an influencer is going to change something. So true. And, and it's funny because they actually dictate, like your example on Dancing with the Stars, sometimes they dictate the media. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes those, those micro niches become very large as the following grows and, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're what dictates it. Like your example with the, the Pepsi. I mean, it just takes a little bit of a push and then it can become something viral or real. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, let's talk about something real. You know, one of the things that people are always, and, you know, we were mentioning at the start, we want to know, you know, what, what somebody's done. So tell us about a product that you have successfully marketed, you know, kind of from the, the start to the finish and, and some of the techniques that you used. Great question. And I'm very happy to go into this because I, this is, I nerd out on this stuff. I love this stuff. Um, so I'll give you one of our, uh, one of our clients, um, super bootstrapped, you know, really, really young, but had a great product. It was a, uh, a postpartum, I guess, workout athletic, uh, active wear, uh, clothing line. Okay. Um, very unique because, you know, as uh, moms are going through this transition and they still like to work out, you know, you got to be able to breastfeed and do a lot of these different things. So I definitely saw a niche for this product offering in the marketplace um, and wanted to take on the project just to see if we could, you know, do something amazing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the easiest ways, the best ways to find our the customers, I wanted to run a test on Facebook using Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. So that was our first test. We basically you know, actually before we even get there, I analyze the website and say, okay, how are your customers finding you now? Oh, we do Instagram posts. We use some influencers here and there. Okay. Okay. Like what automations do you have set up right now to make sure you're, you're capturing that traffic or anybody that might've been interested that left, uh, you're still able to communicate with them. You don't have to just, you know, keep trying to get new traffic or new, new customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these questions I ask because that really leads to setting up some automations in the form of email, right? I I think that before a business decides to start throwing thousands of dollars or whatever it is at acquiring customers, we really should put the business in the best place to make sure that any of the people we bring, we're able to capture their information and communicate with them, whether they're a customer or not. Mm -hmm. So the first step is I implement, you know, some email captures, like a pop-up email capture, maybe give away a discount. Uh, I implement some automated email flows like, uh, what's called a pre-purchase sequence where they might not buy, but if they enter their email, I'm going to put them in a you know, five, 10 day email drip that introduces them to the brand, why the brand started, what we're trying to do, get to know the founder, really get them associated with like, we're not a corporation, we're here to help. Um, and, and that a lot of times gets people warmed up enough to come back to the website and purchase. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, we do uh, abandoned cart sequences, we have uh, a lot of other little sequences, even after they purchase. We have other products that they might like that we put in uh, post-purchase sequence that then gets them back to buy. And so, Right. It's like we mentioned, they don't always realize, hey, you have these other things that you can offer. Exactly. And the overall kind of mindset behind it is that we want to increase our average order value. Because if we can cr- increase our average order value without spending money or increasing our budget right away then we're going to be able to spend more money on advertising and get more customers. Mm-hmm. That's usually the first step of what we do with, with customers. The next step of what we do with customers is we actually look at other traffic sources to bring them uh, mm-hmm. to the website. So we have our baseline you know, email capture system down, maybe an abandoned cart sequence down. We know we're able to spend more money on traffic now because we're going to capture a lot more email addresses even if they don't purchase. So we went to Facebook and we'll, we'll, we'll serve up some Facebook campaigns to test to see who our target audience is. And we actually can use the past purchase data from that e-commerce store, give it to Facebook, and then they give us the best audiences for our product. Okay. So I, won't, I won't get too technical with like how we do all the Facebook stuff, but um, it allows us to really find, you know, in this particular case, new moms. 
Mm-hmm. We were actually able to find new moms. Then we took it a step further and found new moms who actually worked out or like yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that allowed us to find our, our target audience and start getting some sales and making ROI. And then once you get to that point, and a lot of agencies actually stop at this point, but once you get to this point, it's asking yourself, how do we optimize or lower our cost to acquire a customer? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do we optimize this process? And one of the big things we do is we start testing where we're taking customers. Okay. We start testing like do you know are the landing pages that we take them to. Are we giving them enough information about the products? Are we showing them enough value when they first come to us? Are we trying to be too salesy right away? Are we trying to build a relationship right away? And so these are a lot of questions we, we ask each other internally. Um, and then we start testing pages to see you know, what pages are working better than others. What's the best uh, customer journey to get them to purchase? Uh, and so there's a, there's a long process of optimization. And because things are constantly changing, that means we have to constantly be talking about our strategies and actually how we execute for our clients. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that I want to go back to just for a second is Facebook advertising. Facebook, that's where, you know, yes, they are a publicly traded company now, but they make their money through ads. So they're really good at helping you to do the best possible ad and reach the best possible target. You know, don't just go in, you know, I, I love people that you they set their target market to anybody within 50 miles. Eh, no. Um, it's just like any other type of advertising. You need to, to niche it down. You know, you can, you can do keywords, which is obviously maybe what you did with your new moms. You know, all those various things because you don't want to spend your money. You know, you, you didn't want that ad for, you know, that product being shown to the 50-year-old man. <laughs> you know, that wasn't going to get you anything. And, it, and you really didn't want to spend money doing that. So just like with anything else, get your target market right and then only target to those people or only market to those people. Exactly. And actually, this is a good practice for business owners out there. I would say, you know, you can Google this, but customer avatar, right? Mm-hmm. right. Figure out who your customer avatar is and really fine tune that. And, mm-hmm. and there's so many worksheets online to help you break that down. And you think that, oh, no, I know who my customer is. But when you actually go through those steps of really defining who your customer audience is that you know of, you're going to be a lot more targeted when you start this process and you're going to get a lot faster results. And then you can expand a little bit. Right. You might have a secondary market or something like that. Exactly. And that's, that's really tough. And I talk about this a lot on the program for the small business owners, for the entrepreneurs, because they're thinking, well, I'm, I'm targeting, you know, I'm marketing to a hundred people as opposed to a thousand people. And so they think they're leaving money on the table. Well, you know, 900 of those 1,000 could have cared less about your product. So don't waste your time marketing to them. Um, you know, you might think that they're there. You know, I, I give the, the example of, you know, I was talking with someone one time and, and she sold skincare products. And we said, you know, who's your target market? And she smiled at us and said, everyone. Well, you know, that's because everyone has skin, right? And we said, no, because then when she said, please give me a referral, we all went, "Ah," because none of us knew anybody with skin. Um, (laughs) And so we worked with her to get it down to teenage boys who had acne. Yes. Every single one of us knew a teenage boy who had acne and we could refer then to her. So, you know, did she miss like the 25 year old woman or the 70 year old woman? 
Well, you know, those are kind of maybe the secondary markets. But when she really targeted 16-year-old males, then that was where she made her money. And then it, it went from there because then, of course, you had 16-year-old girls or, you know, the, the somebody, the, the mother who went, oh, well, hey, maybe this will work for me too. But, you know, get that, that niche market down first and then go from there. 100%. That's where a lot of people are falling off. That's where a lot of people get discouraged right away when they try to do this. Mm-hmm. You really need to find your niche. You really need to dive into exactly what that is. And then later on, you test and you expand. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that I always tell people is, you know, you, you mentioned the word avatar. Find a picture of that person. Cut it out. Put it on your computer. And then every time you're writing, whether it's a Facebook post, you're getting ready to you know, draft a script maybe for YouTube, whatever it is that you're doing, look at them and write for them. Um, I actually have two little Barbie dollish type of, of things that when I do webinars, they're my audience. So that I'm not talking just to you know, the, the blank screen. And it was whatever it takes, just remember, this is who I'm talking to. Not those people over there. Those people over there are great. But we are talking just to these people. 100%. You're absolutely right. That's, that's, and it puts you in the right frame of mind to know how to talk to them because you're looking at them when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So anything else from that, that great product launch that, or I guess it was a launch, but that you did that you can share with us? Sure. I mean, you know, I, I would say that, and this is more of a philosophical kind of psychology thing. It's like, try, like I said before, try to build a relationship with your customers, right? Don't mm-hmm. try to sell people right away. Right. Uh, back in the day, especially a new mom. Holy schmoly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like people, people now are looking to buy from trusted sources or brands they trust. And that's mm-hmm. the big thing. That's why influencers are important. But if you keep that in mind, you know, one of the direct things about that is like, I never take customers, if it's an e-commerce store to a product page right away. Okay. Like, they don't know the brand yet. They don't mm-hmm. know, you know, they might've seen the product on Facebook or Google but they don't know the brand yet. So unless I'm selling something that's so valuable, they don't need to know the brand. It's take them through a relationship building, you know, phase where they get to know the brand, they get to know the features, they get to know the the lifestyle shots, the uses. And then on the next page, you know, introduce the product and the pricing. Mm-hmm. This, this people see price and they get brought to price right away without going through that. They go oh, too expensive and leave. Or they go right. up oh, or too cheap or whatever. There's, there's something where they go, nope, sorry. Exactly. People, it's time to show people the value, but show them different, show them the value before you show them the price. I think those are two separate um, uh, psychological instances that most people in back in the day were happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so now I think it's on e-commerce uh, shops, even service-based businesses to really provide value, uh, sell the service, you know, show what they're going to get, uh, explain it in detail before you introduce price. And, and, and if people take that path, it, it depend, no matter what business you're in, uh, you'll be way more successful than just coming out there with a price. Right. You know, I've, I've talked with people and, and read books and, you know, a variety of things that say you create such a demand for it that the price won't matter. You know, they, they want it. I don't care what it costs. Um, you know, and, and so you've built them up to that point. And maybe it's something that's $10 or 10000 I mean, whatever it is, you know, by the time you get to price, that's incidental. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, because they, they realize, oh my gosh, I trust who this is coming from. I know it's a great product or service and I absolutely have to have it. 
hundred percent. That's exactly true. You you make it, the price. The price is just a mindset, right? If something's so valuable to you, you'll pay whatever it takes to to be a part of it or, or get it. And so, it's really your job as a business owner to articulate that to customers and explain the deep value that you're offering. Mm-hmm. Right. And many times there is that additional value, um, the great customer service, the, you know, whatever it is. So it's not just that X costs Y, you know, it's, it's all of the other things that come with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 and that's what people don't get to see if you offer them the price right away, mm-hmm. right? They don't get to see the personalization. They don't get to meet the founder. They don't get to see a video of, of the product being displayed. It's just so many things to add value um, to what, the user is going to get in their experience that you need to do that, all that stuff first before mm-hmm. you go, right? But it's like cold calling someone and telling them the price before you even talk about the price. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they hang up on you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So, Will, you've got all these great examples of, of success stories. What about something that didn't work and why? Yeah, I love that. I mean, those are where you learn the most, right? You know, mm-hmm. you don't really learn. I mean, you have a great time and you probably learn a little bit, but you learn the most when you fail um, because you never want to go through that again. Right. And especially when somebody's paying you to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And luckily I have a great team behind me that we're able to, to test with minimal downside if it's not a good test. Mm-hmm. And so I would just say that, um, you know, in terms of failures or in terms of things that didn't work, I mean, we've ran a lot of tests that, that might've not worked in the, that might have not worked previously that we then quickly rectify to make sure that they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that most of the failures that I've uh, come about or seen have been my own personal ones, not within the business now. Okay. Because I've been, I've been lucky to bring a lot of that to the business mm-hmm. to, to really analyze um, how we should approach situations or grab a different use case of another business doing something so that we take our, our best guess first before just trying something random. Mm-hmm. Uh, with me, I mean, I had, uh, you know, I had a company, actually a company in 2011, the one I talked about that I ended up selling, I would say one of our fi- biggest failures there was that we relied on a third party for our sales. Now, let me explain. Mm-hmm. When we first started, I watched some companies and how they paid for traffic and, and acquisitions, and I didn't like the way they were doing it, so I taught myself SEO. Um, and in 2011, you know, SEO was a big game. You know, you could do a lot with that. And we did. And we ranked number one for probably 100 different search term keywords. Mm -hmm. And we were doing very, very well. And so we thought we were building a business without having to spend money on paid traffic acquisition like Google AdWords or Facebook or any of that stuff. And so because that's how we built our business, that's how we forecasted our expenses and how we thought we were going to grow, we moved into an office um, all of a sudden, when Google decided to change its algorithm, almost overnight, we lost all of our rankings. Oh! Yeah, almost overnight. I'll never forget where I was uh, when that happened because our, our call volume went from about 75 calls a day to two. Oh! And, um, that's tough. That changes. That's your painful. Mm-hmm. It's very painful. And you got you to gotta be able to iterate fast from mm-hmm. that. So, um, you know... That lesson right there, I learned a very hard lesson, but the, the basis of that lesson was never rely on a third party for your revenue. So mm-hmm. any company out there that is saying, oh, Google, you know, SEO brings me to my business or like this vendor is where all of our business comes from. 
like quickly look for other solutions. Uh, some examples are some of our clients that are in retail have one manufacturing plant in China that they use to produce all their products. Right. And with one hiccup, their entire inventory is delayed. And I'm mm -hmm. like, why do you have one? Mm -hmm. You need to have multiple sources. And so as a general business rule, you need to never rely on one party for your revenue. You need to be able to have multiple sources or channels mm -hmm. to scale. And that doesn't mean you need more than one product. One product's fine. But in terms of relying on somebody to bring you the customers or to bring you the product, you need to have multiple channels. Right. And, that, and that's something I learned the hard way. And luckily we were able to pivot pretty fast um, to fix things up. But it's, I would say that's a general rule that I learned going through that mm -hmm. process. And in essence, we're diversifying our portfolio. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, holy cow, Will, we're at the top of the hour already. And you know, we've mentioned that you are an agency. So tell people how to find you and then what some of the services are that you can provide. Absolutely. Um, so our company is Unstoppable. We're www.unstoppable.co. Um, you can reach us there. You can reach me on Instagram, which is at Will Dean. Uh, if you Google me, I'm sure you'll find a way to contact me, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, but, uh, or reach me on my email, which is just will at unstoppable.co. Uh, some of the services we offer, I mean, we're at basically your outsourced CMO. So, so we're going to help you guys grow your business. You know, a lot of what we do is Facebook AdWords. We do a lot of paid traffic. We do a lot of email marketing. Uh, I think email is huge, especially if you have a low cost business and you really want to scale up uh, efficiently. Um, we do do some influencer marketing. We can help with web design, with development. It's not services we go out and try to tell people we do, but we actually have a lot of clients that build uh, websites with us that we, uh, you know, we help them grow. And so, we do all of those things, pretty much anything under the sun. And if we don't do it, we know somebody who does and we'll definitely mm -hmm. be able to reference you to them. Right. Well, we've got about two minutes left. So, you know, for the, the business owner who's thinking, what do I need to do to get my product out there and get people to pay the bills? In two minutes, what would you tell them? Well, like I said at the very, very beginning, I say personal referral is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the next thing I would say is don't spend any money before you know something, right? Do your research and, and really, really meticulously look under the hood. Right? You might not be a marketer or should be the marketer, um, but you certainly should take some time if your business depends on this to really vet stuff and find the right people and the right resources. And then the last thing is reach out to me. You know, shoot me a message, shoot me an email. I love taking calls. I love talking to people. I will point you in the right direction if it's not a good fit for us. Mm -hmm. Because then you at least have somebody that you know is not personally vested to tell you, you know, give me your money, but is actually going to help you guys on the right path to help, you know, figure out what you can, what steps you can take to get your business on the right track. Right. You know, and sometimes that really is all you need is just kind of that little nudge, um, you know, or, and, and as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, we tend to think we're alone because we're sitting here in our spare bedroom, you know, and, and we've got our little computer and our, you know, our, our laptop down at the kitchen table. There's so many ways that you can reach out to people. And, you know, if it, that's, that is probably the biggest thing is reach out, ask people for their advice and their support. Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. That's, that's how you grow and that's how you utilize people in the same field or in your network to help you grow because it's going to help them. Perfect. Well, I really have been having a great time talking about good, hardcore marketing techniques, talking with Will Dean of Unstoppable. I am Deb Creer, and until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. 
Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.